You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Well, coming to you from the fairest Cape this afternoon, and the weather is beautiful, uh, not as hot as Joburg, so we welcome that uh, to some degree. Uh, but of course, it is still a scorcher if you're standing out in the parade. But of course, it is uh, all attention on the president later this evening as he delivers uh, the final State of the Nation address for the sixth um, uh, administration. So there will be another State of the Nation address uh, this after the elections. Remember, this is an election. Year general elections taking place anytime between May and perhaps around August. But of course, we are still waiting for the president to proclaim that date as well. And we're hoping any day now um, we'll wait and see. But of course, uh, much interest in the State of the Nation address because it's the president's opportunity to address the nation. And speaking of addressing the nation, uh, some of the things that we have become accustomed to is uh, the disruption uh, that the EFF brings to all State of the Nation addresses since they've entered Parliament. But of course, they've been dealt a few heavy blows in the courts in the lead up to tonight's uh, State of the Nation address. So we'll talk about that in a short while. Of course, uh, the political parties, uh, they also want to tell us what they expect from the president. Uh, but it's also an opportunity, I suppose, uh, to reflect on the sixth uh, pa- uh, administration and exactly what they have managed to achieve or not achieve. And uh, we'll hear from uh, the various political parties as we move along. Speaking of which, let's get the show on the road. Tell us what your thoughts are. You can choose your avenue to get in touch. Send us a voice note or you can uh, write to us via X, uh, via Facebook or send us uh, uh, an um, SMS. Uh, we'll try and play those out to you. Uh, but of course, I've got uh, the DA's Sivuwe uh, Kwarube here. And um, I must tell you, I've got a full house already. So looking forward to rolling this over. Uh, Ms. Kwarube, thanks so much for stopping by. So we heard the DA uh, deliver their alternative state of the nation address already. Uh, so in terms of what you're looking forward to? Look, I think, Sakina, firstly, I think um, the president is, has a tall order uh, this evening because I think any South African will tell you that their lives have become significantly worse between from 2019 to 2024. And so that is obviously a huge indictment on the Sith administration under the ANC government. So I think he's got a tall order and I'm not entirely sure what he can say um, that South Africans can believe um, that, you know, will not be viewed as in the prism of being another empty promise. Uh, because as we sit, we have we are languishing in an in 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 energy crisis. Seven out of 10 young people don't have work. 30 million South Africans are living in poverty. Those are real numbers and real experiences. And so what we do expect, um, what we are hoping for, is an honest reflection of the past five years of, of his government. Um, and also perhaps some urgent low-hanging fruit that he can maybe tackle, which is around particularly the energy crisis because that becomes a, a massive handbrake for South Africa's growth and the ability to create jobs and pull people out of poverty. What would an honest reflection look like? 
an honest reflection would be to tell South Africans that this government has not delivered what it said it would. That there have been many promises that were made, whether it was to grow the economy, creating jobs, whether it was ramping up service delivery, whether it was keeping the streets safe, whether it was making sure that no one goes to bed hungry, all of these things. But that's not what politicians do. Well, Sakina, do that. well Sakina, I think that perhaps... You know, it's perhaps high time that we did because I think we are seeing the levels of disengagement from South Africans at an alarming rate, where young people in particular are starting to disengage from the political system in a big way, where they don't believe that politics, or at least the political system, is a place where they can find solutions for their problems. And I think we must reflect as political leaders in the country to ask ourselves are we having the same conversations that South Africans are having? Are we making sure that Parliament is the arena in which the issues facing South Africans are deliberated upon and they're resolved. If we are not, then why are we here? Because ultimately we are public representatives. We are meant to be representing the public. So I, I agree with you that often honest reflections are not made, but I think that we've got to reflect and, and really introspect as we're heading into the seventh parliament. So if there were to be just one issue that the president has to touch on this evening for the Democratic Alliance, what would it be? As I said, I think it would be definitely the energy crisis because um, without that, South Africa's economy is not going to be able to grow beyond 1%. And I think we are going to have to see a recommitment of the SRD grant um, uh, continuing because I don't think we can see a scenario where that is simply just scrapped off the table. Um, We would like to see the president really tackle in earnest the issue around 5,000 people in South Africa who are dying of malnutrition. Mm. And South Africa is not a poor country, Sakina. There's no reason why there should be people who are going to bed hungry. And so for me, those key things should feature prominently in his State of the Nation address. Very interesting. Uh, Before I let you go, you speak about the continuation of the SRD grant. What about the introduction of a basic income grant? Look, I mean, we would be we would be really keen to hear that and we would be really keen to see where the president takes that. But that can't also be viewed in a vacuum, because if you are going to make an announcement, you don't want that to be yet another empty promise, because there's no way you can introduce a B.I.G. when your economy is languishing at a zero point whatever um, uh, percent growth rate. So ultimately, what's the solution when people don't have jobs, when the economy is not growing? Mm. What do you do? Well, what you do do, though, is, first of all, I think that the ANC government, in my view, has run out of ideas and has run out of people who are able to implement solutions. But that's for the voters to make a decision on. But um, a BIG would be absolutely critical. But in a country that has economic growth, and so it almost is the chicken and the egg situation, you've got to jolt South Africans' economy out of the flatlining um, so that you may be able to fit that into the fiscus. Well, hope to catch up with you later this evening after the State of the Nation address. Uh, Masiviwe Hwarube there from the Democratic Alliance and uh, talking about uh, what they would like to hear uh, this evening from President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. And of course, uh, also interesting, the SRD grant. And I suppose that it's a matter of you have got to get money into people's hands. If you can't create the jobs, if you can't get the economy going, how else do you then make sure that people actually have some money to at least put some food on the table. Uh, So moving straight along, I said uh, we do have a full house here. Uh, So joined now by the Secretary of Parliament, uh, Mr. Tolile George. Thanks so much for coming through.
thank you very much, uh, Sakina, and good afternoon to all the SAFM uh, listeners. So one of the matters that Parliament's been seized with this week has been, of course, uh, the litigation by the Economic Freedom Fighters uh, for six of their members, including, uh, of course, their leader, Julius Malema, to attend tonight's State of the, State of the Nation address. Uh, but uh, they've been dealt another blow by the court. So if you could just quickly run us through the judgment. Well, in terms of the applications that the, the members of the Economic Freedom Fighters to Parliament, to court, I think we'll all recall that it was last week there was a matter that was deliberated and also it was a matter dismissed with costs uh, for the lack of agency. And also there was a matter that was also uh, 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 deliberated yesterday by the courts again the matter was also ruled in favor of parliament today's judgment was the outcomes of the merits of discussion last week similarly the outcome was also not in favor of the economic freedom fighters so in terms of the the judgments uh, they were very clear that they are affirming the rules of parliament that were deliberated and agreed to as proposed by the Joint Rules Committee of Parliament and were adopted. And these are the rules that will be applicable for the proceedings of today, essentially amending Chapter 2 of the Joint Rules of Parliament, specifically creating uh, clarity on areas where there would have been ambiguity on a number of areas, to also provide specificity on areas where the presiding officers needs uh, clarity on how to administer the rules that have been jointly uh, accepted Such by as? the courts. For instance, uh, the issue of the order of the business of the day, that if there is an agenda item, only that matter that has been brought. In the case of SONA, it is only the address of the president of the Republic of South Africa as a head of government and a head of state. So it has now created clarity around issues of interruptions, uh, what would happen if there's an interruption, what is the procedures around uh, rules of order, in terms of uh, points of order in particular. Uh, and those issues have now created a much more clearer infrastructure of the rules. And uh, Sakina, to the contrary, uh, you would see a running narrative uh, that will say these rules are made for a specific party. They are not made for any party. These are rules of parliament adopted um, uh, where there's 14 parties in parliament. And these rules are amended from time to time. There's no specificity of a particular case done for a particular political party. This parliament has got 30 years. And from time to time, if there's a matter pertaining to one house or a matter that would require governing the conduct of business in both houses, then the Joint Rules Committee looked through. And they have been reviewed and amended from time to time, not because of a particular matter to the contrary. So just to get clarity, does this mean uh, there will be no more points of order called whilst the President is speaking? You know, how, how is this going to work now? Points of order are not stifled. They are part of the democratic instrument that parliaments would use and members are entitled to use that point. However, what the rule infrastructure of Parliament provides is that there must be a clearly demarcated scope of operation of the use of points of order. For instance, as a standard, a point of order is uh, when a member stands up and points out to a transgression 
of a rule, either in a house or transgression of the joint rules. And it is only to the extent that there would have been a, a, a perceived or an acknowledged um, violation of that rule or contravention of that rule. Then the member will be able to point out point of order, rule number so-and-so is being transgressed by this member. So right. in this case, the State of the Nation address is delivered by the President and if there is a point of order, it is to the extent to which a member will be drawing attention of presiding officer to a possible breach of a rule. So it is not to say they would be banned, but it, clear, it clearly outlines a clear infrastructure within which presiding officers can have confidence to maintain decorum in the House. And, and that is precisely why the State of the Nation is a ceremonial event addressed by the Head of State. And for accountability purposes, members have a right to hold the President accountable and any other member of the executive during the reply questions out of the State of the Nation address. Okay, so just not here tonight during the State of the Nation address. Mr. Kolila George, thanks so much for your time. Secretary of Parliament there uh, on the latest with regard to the economic freedom fighters and uh, again, um, another blow for them. Uh, so the six members who have been suspended will not be able to attend the State of the Nation address. Uh, the rest of uh, the parliamentarians of the EFF will be here in attendance. So it's going to be interesting because as Mr. George says, it does not mean that you cannot raise a point of order but of course the new rules are going to be interesting to see how that's going to play out but uh, with regard to the EFF and how they came in and uh, they said they are about disruption I think we can bet our good money that there will be some disruptions this evening but uh, joined now by Mr. Mkuleko Sengwa from the IFP thanks so much for stopping by uh, you think we're going to have some disruptions tonight good afternoon uh, SK and the listeners well it will be tragic I think that Parliament also has a societal responsibility to be the mirror of the nation and if we continuously demonstrate that conflict resolution or dispute resolution is through anarchy, we are feeding that into society. Whilst we've got many areas of disagreement with the President, we do feel that he must still be accorded the respect of a head of state and at the very least hear him out in terms of what he has to say because it does so on the basis of a democratic outcome which is an election. And there will be an opportunity for political parties next week um, to respond to the president. And our expectation is the same, that they too should not be um, interrupted as they present policy alternatives, engage in debate on what the president has said. And I think lastly, South Africans are really sick and tired of theatrics and populist play. What they want are credible and tangible solutions on the table to the myriad of um, problems that they face. There's a national desperation uh, for the situation to change. People want jobs, particularly young people. The economy is not growing. The IMF last week revised downwards our economic growth from 1.9 to 1%. So the president has to come and present a roadmap in terms of what it is that his government is going to do. Um, and that's what people want. And if we disagree with the president, we must express that um, you know, next week because SONA is not an event but a process. It continues um, next week and the president will still respond. So we are calling for um, you know, decorum of the House and we are a rules-based society and we need to demonstrate rules-basism on how we conduct the business of the House. And we are, of course, also a multi-party democracy. So how much culpability do you think opposition political parties should accept for the failures of South Africa? Well, I don't think that 
we would be in a position to accept anything given that the ANC has got a 50 plus one majority. So they literally roughshod everything. Um, it's their way or no way. And um, amongst others, that is why there is strength in coalition governments because they provide, to a certain extent, internal party political checks and balances um, and force for more discussion and negotiations on um, decisions, on issues, as opposed to the current situation where um, parliament is a rubber stamping institution for the executive um, and Lutuli House. And so the opportunity that comes with the elections is to provide um, that change. Obviously, um, coalitions are not a silver bullet. Um, yeah, because South Africans have had bad experiences, experiences more than good experiences of, of coalition governments. Well, I think... By and large, SK, they have had good experiences. It's just Where? that, it's just that, look, Mklatuza is one such example. Um, there's so many hung councils in the country, but the attention, of course, will fall on the city of Johannesburg being the economic hub of the country. I was playing out there is totally worrying, of course, Egulani as well. But I think let's Nelson look at... Mandela Bay. Nelson Mandela and, and I think it's because of the bigger centers yeah, exactly. where these coalition governments have exactly. just totally not worked. Yeah. But, but but having said that, I think that we need to go into the spaces where it has worked and draw the experiences that enable it to work in order for us to understand the full value chain and reality of what it is. But ultimately, tonight is about a president who's delivered um, seven state-of-the-nation addresses. The daily lived conditions of our people have not changed for the better. Unemployment is high, inequality is there, poverty and crime and so on. So we've got very little hope in what the president has to say. Our hope now lies with South Africans championing the change themselves um, in the elections um, in May. And we do believe that the opportunity is there. Whilst we'll respond to Sona next week as the IFP, we have got a manifesto launch on the 10th of March where we want to, again, reiterate the value proposition of the IFP and the policy alternative because I think very little can be done by this administration in any case given that uh, we're wrapping up the sixth parliament and the sixth administration and the elections uh, are coming up. So by and large what the president says tonight, as far as we expect will be a dry run for his manifesto as opposed to actually credible and tangible solutions. So um, the, the biggest hope now is an election that will deliver a change. And I'm will it deliver South a change though? I'm hopeful. If, if, uh, 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 and why? Why should South Africans be hopeful of that? Uh, because what has actually changed? What is going to change uh, given that we still have, by and large, the same electoral system that we've had that have delivered us to where we are now? Well, you, you can't expect the liberators of yesterday who are today's oppressors, the current government, to actually effect the change. What you have, you've got a high breeding ground of um, elitism, corruption, um, cadet deployment and all sorts of problems um, being created by this very government. So the people who have created the problems can't be expected to fix it. So the first step... But the opposition hasn't made themselves a viable option for the voters as well. I believe we have. The fact that the IFP was able to claw back so many municipalities in Guazlu Natal currently governing 25 up from um, 13 is an indication that change is possible. Yeah, but, but we're talking real change. Real change. Change, that whereby is your you change are, where, whereby you will be able to reduce that change. majority that allows the rubber stamping that you talk about 
that sort of real change uh, we haven't seen it in 30 years change, change is also um, SK an event a process rather given if you look at the trends um, on the continent that ordinarily after liberation the party that was in the majority of space in the liberation struggle which will take a while to eat out in terms of what they do what's important however is that South Africans have demonstrated that they are not afraid um, to change and give others um, an opportunity the responsibility is on us who are given that opportunity at the moment of change to do justice to that all politics is local and we need to make local government work it's an important sphere because that's where the tire hits the tar and most importantly that's where people go to for services so if you want talk, this change talk well talk, i think it's, hap- it's happening the and we are delivering are falling apart not all of them which ones not are not falling them. apart? Tuesday has received a clean hey, audit. Long Kinkle Tuesday. Tuesday. I need to go Kinkle to Tuesday. Tuesday. I need to go and see a, this. A clean audit. We are quite satisfied. Umlalazi has received a clean audit. So we're saying. In the are space, you saying the ones where you are running? Where we've been given an opportunity, we are effecting the change. I does justice. I'm, I'm not going to cut you out of that so because I, I, I actually haven't seen them. I need to go and apply my mind, and I'm going to come back to you. We're going to talk about this. Are definitely. you telling me there are no problems with roads and infrastructure falling apart? Part, billing issues, service saying, delivery in general. We are saying we've in, we inherited municipalities and we are changing them for the better. So we one issue. A, we are a work in progress. What do you want the president to address most pointedly this evening? More, more than anything else, we want the president to explain what his government has done. We've heard so many promises. He's delivered seven state of the nation addresses. We need to know whether he's made headway from last year to this year. He announced, let me make an example, he announced the Minister of Electricity and he presented it as the magic wand to load shedding. It continues to be our daily lived reality because he's not taking the tough decisions insofar as policy reform and ensuring that there's coherence in the outlook of government. So more than anything else, his plans are meaningless because we're going into an election. What's important is for him to account on what he has But we want more from our legislators because we know that here on the ground, we see that this is our lived experience. In terms of accountability, the minister comes and accounts here before parliament. Yeah, what, what has that achieved? Look, there's shortcomings in Parliament in itself, and I do believe that Parliament must seriously reflect on its own processes more than anything else. I think the Sixth Parliament has been the weakest one, handicapped by COVID-19 and the burning down of Parliament. So there are a series of issues which we need to present insofar as the legacy reports as recommendations for change for the Seventh Parliament. Parliament is not absolved um, insofar as the uh, you know, myriad of problems the country um, faces. I look forward to speaking to you more, especially Thanks, on the campaign care. trail. Thanks so Take much. Umkile Kotlengwa there from the IFP. So you've heard there, DA, IFP, and we continue to roll through. The Secretary of Parliament has been here. We've got the three analysts as well that we'll speak to. We'll focus on infrastructure, we'll focus on the economy, and of course, uh, politics in general with our analysts. Uh, we'll tell you about that a little bit more after the news. Uh, here's Mudupi Mahalimele with your headlines. Thank you very much, Sakina. A very good afternoon. In your headlines, preparations for President Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation address this evening have been finalized, with some roads in and around the area of Parliament and the Cape Town City Hall having been blocked off. Parliament has welcomed the Western Cape High Court's dismissal of the EFF's application against the suspension of six of its MPs, including party leader Julius Malema, and Police have seized counterfeit goods worth 13 million rand and arrested five suspects during a crime-combating operation in Joburg. Details of these and other stories coming up 
Well, thank you so much, uh, Mudupi Mahalimele. He'll have your uh, full bulletin at one. And coming to you from uh, Cape Town and, of course, gearing up for the State of the Nation address, President Cyril Ramaphosa will be delivering his eighth State of the Nation address this evening. And uh, this, of course, the last time for the sixth administration. So looking forward to all of that. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of what the political parties uh, that we have heard so far have had to say. Uh, You heard from the IFP. You heard from the DA, uh, I can tell you the ANC will be up next. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's just engage our analysts here this afternoon. We've got uh, Dick Forsland, we've got um, Asanda Ngwasheng, and uh, we've got uh, Gundo Maswime. I got it right. Gundo, thanks so much, uh, all of you, for coming through. Gundo, let me start with you uh, regarding infrastructure and infrastructure development. Okay, whilst we're sorting out, Gundo, uh, uh, let me come to Dick Forsland with regard to the economy and, and, and what's been happening. Again, you know, we look at uh, the revision of our um, uh, target with regard to economic growth in the country being revised downwards once again, 1% nothing in the broader scheme of things we are not making a dent we are not creating the sort of jobs that we need to to arrest this very high unemployment rate youth unemployment is very seriously high Uh, so what should we be doing dick well uh, so uh, yeah first let me just say that uh, the it would be very strange if the chaos which is growing in society and the disorder growing society if it wouldn't reflect in some way also in the parliament uh, and uh, just to refer to the discussion that preceded this but i mean you have to get the basics right in the economy you can't have uh, uh, children going hungry and mass as is the case in eastern cape you can't have sewage running into the street you can't have over 200 uh, water uh, treatment plants failing and so on you can't have the situation with the local roads uh, as it is in eastern cape pumalanga and other places and uh, when you speak about these things, then you see also where the areas of investment uh, should be placed, where, where you should sort of uh, go into to have a dent in the real economy, the economy that, that, that uh, really affects people and gets people moving and, and, and gives some optimism and also, of course, give jobs. Uh, but the thing is that you can't, you can't do this if you if you rely uh, if you don't rely on the public sector t- taking the first steps uh, and i think one big problem in the country and i can note that no not even the eff is any longer speaking about the corrupted tender system and the procurement and so on even if it was in the original program uh, and uh, i think that that uh, you have to if you sh- should have a, a really get a new fresh start in the country you have to deal with the backlog in public infrastructure and if you do that then you also have as a side effect or as a kind of crucial effect of it you can create jobs update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo midday to 1 p.m. 
you know, with regard to infrastructure, and, and, and we keep hearing that this is how at least one way of kick-starting this economy uh, where you would spend on infrastructure development. Uh, so talk to us, uh, you know, again about what we envisioned and where we find ourselves at. And also, how much have we borrowed in order to spend on infrastructure? And is that money actually finding its way to doing the things it's supposed to? Yes, um, when the uh, concept of what public infrastructure should look like um, was written clearly in 1997, uh, when government had settled in and they had started to see how government should function, uh, the whole legislative framework was then rolled out. We started having Municipal Finance Management Act, Public Finance Management Act, uh, until about 2003, uh, most of the acts came together. Now, that introduced a new shift into how government does things. We are finding in our research that there seems to have been a lot more done between 1994 and 2003 than a, a same amount of period after 2003, which means that the, the new suite of legislation had the impact of slowing down in uh, service delivery in many uh, instances, and there were reasons for that. The other thing that we uh, observed was that the separation between politics and administration uh, was envisaged. Uh, the, we believed that legislation would actually put enough separation that, for example, procurement, no politicians participate. But there is hardly any government department or municipality where politicians don't participate in um, procurement. They may not sit in the room, uh, but they, their participation is in many instances even more than the participation of, uh, uh, of the administrators. So which comes to the point uh, that my colleague just made uh, now that um, are we able to reimagine what procurement should look like uh, going forward? We've done a lot of uh, research and we've, uh, there's work that we've published where the, de the decision on who uh, gets to be appointed to do the work uh, cannot be left, not even to the community that is there. Uh, it has to be automated. Once you introduce the human element, uh, almost all po political parties will want that. That is how they would want to also fund themselves. You know. So there are certain things that we know. We know this affects, but no one is bold enough to stand up and say, let's change this now. But in reimagining that, can you actually get away from the human element? Because even in writing the program, that's going to ultimately be automated and decide, the human element can still have a say in what ultimately the system delivers. You, you, you actually can, and you can do it in such a way that even though there's a human element, it will be very limited. It has to be, you know, how things started speaking about the open tendering uh, system. Mm. If we say that, I'm just giving you a crude example, we are going to take the average price mm. for, uh, uh, of all the bids that come in, the one who's closest to that average price gets the job. Okay. So no one can predict what the average price is going to be. I'm just giving you an example. But then we can also then start looking at the risks with that and how we can then mitigate. So that is what the kind of research we do uh, focuses on. 
Okay, thanks, Gundo. We're going to take a quick break here on Update at Noon. And when we come back, we continue with uh, our build-up to the State of the Nation address. And uh, we have uh, Matlengi Bengu Mutsiri here from the ANC. Hanif Hendricks is here uh, from Al Jamaa. And, of course, Asana Washing still here and uh, taking some analysis on the issues. And, of course, wanting to see and hear what people are expecting from the president tonight. If you don't find this absolutely annoying, you must be a mind manager because you love all the goons, thuds, and clunks. And that's the sound of moving. It's why Engine continuously develops performance fuels, chemicals, and lubricants for harsh African conditions. And our extensive footprint ensures security of supply. Because minds are always moving. We're always moving. Engine. With us, you are number one. Visit engine.co.za forward slash mining. So Ushara on the office was telling me the way drip is so expensive these days. She's now waiting for her old clothes to come back into fashion. <laughs> I said, Choza, while you're waiting, why not let your money do the things in a net bank just invest account where you can get your money after 24 hours notice? Organ Chani voicemen. In Jalo Mabel, you can earn up to 8.75% interest. Anyone can open an investment account via the money app in under two minutes. See money differently. Netbank. We're a licensed FSP and registered credit provider. Promo rates apply. Basketball is not just a sport, it's a lifestyle. The elite in the beautiful game of basketball always deliver spectacular performances on the court. The most glittering basketball matches between the best teams in the world of the sport, the National Basketball Association, where the professionals compete to emerge victorious. Catch the NBA matches on Saturdays at 12 midnight, live on SABC Sport on DTT Channel 4 and SABC One. Also available on SABC Plus and SABCSport.com. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Hrutis. At this stage, there are, I think it's six EFF MPs who are not allowed in. They've been suspended by Parliament because of what happened last year. This was when Julius Malema and others stormed the stage. We've all seen the TV pictures many times of that. And they went onto the stage where the president was. What happens if they arrive anyway? No, the rules are very clear of Parliament that if you are suspended, you are not expected to be in the president of Parliament. Any person that is attending, so now it's either a member of parliament that will be using his card or it's a guest that has been duly accredited to be part of SONA. So if you are not part of those and you are part of those that have been suspended, obviously. Jomo Nyambi, please, the National Council of Provinces House Chairperson. SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Hrutis, 6 to 9 a.m. Update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo, midday to 1 p.m. Well, seven hours and 15 minutes if you're clock watching. Uh, that's until uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa addresses the nation later on this evening. And uh, thanks for staying with us here on Update at Noon. I believe we have quite a few voice notes. But let me quickly just attend to our guests who are here with us. And Asanda, I'm going to ask you to hold it so you can listen to what the guests have to say. I'm joined by Mr. Hanif Hendricks from Al Jamaa and uh, of course from the ANC um, we have uh, Matlengi Bengu Mutsiri. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us. Uh, Mr. Hendricks, let me start with you with regard to the sixth administration, your assessment. I think that the the, uh, sixth parliament has done uh, very well. As you know, I'm a new member uh, of the sixth parliament and uh, I was very impressed that members of parliament across political parties are hard working 
even those from the opposition parties and uh, they have uh, been active in legislation in public hearings they've held the president to account they've held the deputy president to account they've held uh, ministers to account they put difficult questions they debated the different uh, motions that came before them they look critically at policy changes so I think that the uh, members of parliament of the sixth parliament has done very well and um, it is sad that many of them passed on I don't say they worked themselves to death but that is virtually you know what my impression was coming as a new member of parliament mm. You, you say you're impressed with the work that was done. Um, if we look at uh, some of uh, the bills that have come uh, through and have been passed, uh, let's talk, for example, about the Electoral Amendment Act. You know, talk to us about the Al Jamaa stance on that. And, and, and do you think that, you know, this was uh, the members of Parliament and the parties represented in Parliament uh, basically making sure that they keep the status quo intact? Because uh, that's what many people felt like looking in from the outside. Look, we have uh, come up with six private members' bills. So we've been very active in, in drafting legislation. And all our bills got a certificate of constitutional muster. So you know the story. Uh, we also looked at, uh, at other bills where we had to serve on portfolio committees, approve it clause by clause and I'm very disappointed with the legal people in the different departments. You take the Department of Justice, those who actually draft the legislation, you find that uh, most of those in the drafting team are novices, one or two years experience and they draw up very bad legislation. If you compare them with the legislative drafting team of parliament, it's chalk and cheese. And uh, I, 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 many other departments, I've noticed that our legal eagles in the different departments that actually draft the legislation, let's done any brooks, as let's say in Afrikaans. Mm. So I think that is the problem. So now members of parliament, when, uh, when the legislation comes before them, they've got to take the flack at public hearings. Uh, they have to take the flack at criticism from opposition parties. So that's where the weakness is. And I want to finger one of our most important departments, and that is the Justice Department. Take a critical look of who drafts the legislation there. How many years of experience you have? They just came out of varsity and maybe one or two years experience. They've got so many resignations, people don't want to work, so the, the environment there is very bad. So uh, the law, I'm not defending the lawmakers no, no. and the members it, of it parliament. It doesn't sound good for the public because we expect better from our uh, legislators here in parliament. We expect you guys to do a better job to protect our interests. And if that is your assessment, you know, uh, it almost gives credence to what the public out there is saying that perhaps Parliament isn't doing such a good job. Um, uh, let's bring in the ANC. Mathengi, um, from your side, uh, how would you assess what the Sixth Parliament has done? Thank you, Sakina. I mean, I do believe that if you look at transformation legislations that have been passed by the Sixth Parliament, 
I would concur with the fact that it has been an activist parliament, just from uh, procedural, uh, you know, um, stances. Secondly, and this is now in terms of what the constitution says about the mandate of parliament, if you look at the oversight practices of this parliament that utilizes what is known as the sector oversight model, the SOM, to hold the executive to account, you certainly can see that it has been a very active parliament. Just this past year alone, several pieces of legislation have been fast-tracked in parliament, and most of them are in the direction of transformation governance. We can talk about a number of those um, in, in the health space, uh, the, the, the work that's been done around NHI, which is, of course, is incomplete at the moment. And very contentious. And very contentious, but uh, certainly the NC, we believe that uh, it's an important intervention by this uh, legislative arm of the state. Um, I think with many executive. people will disagree that it's important. What's difficult to reconcile is, of course, the details of it. Yes. So just in terms of that, you know, if we look at the public health care system at the moment, I think this is where people get stuck and they say, look at the mess that we have. And that's not to say that there aren't good examples of, you know, well-run public health care facilities because there are. The problem is they are few and far between. For the majority of South Africans, their experience in a public health care facility is not a great one for the most part. So how do you then convince the public that this country is ripe for that sort of transition? Precisely because as part of social transformation, as part of undoing the historic legacy of inequality, poverty in South Africa, you do need to further cushion the poor and the vulnerable. That will be my straight answer to your question. And I do concede that we have instances where our healthcare services is not delivering to the required standard. But I also do want to say, Sakina, you know, I was on X the other day, and several people saying, you know, I was at hospital X, and I, you wouldn't tell that I'm in a public hospital mm. or public institution. Let's also shine a spotlight on those health care services that are working. And I started by saying that. No, no, I, I get. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying a sense of balance is also important. Yes. And it does not, you know, when people talk about the NHR, um, and then the retort is always, what about? And honestly, I do feel that that what aboutism um, isn't helpful. I think the conversation should be, how do we ensure that economically, NHI can be afforded and how do we ensure that NHI enhances the existing healthcare measures in terms of how we deliver in terms of the standards in our um, public institutions so I'm just using the example I think it's a trust issue, I think it's a trust issue sure. the fact that perhaps the public doesn't trust you know the current government to run this thing properly uh, Mr Hendricks what's your view on the NHI? Uh, I support the NHI 100% uh, in fact, I'm involved in rolling out uh, primary health clinics, assisting uh, the private sector, and we have seven uh, that matches the requirements of the NHI, and it's in the areas where it's much needed, like Okaletu, Kailitsa, Mitchell's Plain, The Strand, and uh, it's, uh, it's working very well. So there are... Uh, uh, private sector in, uh, uh, instances 
that have already started to implement the NHI. The only difference is that government don't pay the fee, the patient still has to pay a fee. Uh, and they've started these clinics in the hope that when the funding becomes available, then the healthcare services will be free. So uh, I am very impressed with the NHI legislation. I serve on the Portfolio Committee for Health as well, but I don't get around to attending many meetings. We only have one member in Parliament. Mm -hmm. uh, this and year you when, can't do all of that. Yeah, this year when we have 10, then we'll be able to attend more I'll meetings. hold you to that. I'll hold you. I'll find you at the rock to hear how many seats you got. But Asana uh, you know, uh, just to bring in an analyst on this, and, um, you know, Masengi makes a good point, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, not forgetting, you know, what good work is being done in the private, uh, in the public healthcare uh, sector. Uh, we shouldn't forget that the first human heart transplant was done in a public facility in this country. So there, there are many good examples. You you look at some of the oncology units in some of our public uh, healthcare facilities, some of the best in the, not just the country, in the world. So there is good work. However, where does the skepticism arrive from? You know, because when we hear Tembisa Hospital is procuring skinny jeans, mm. things like that, you know, how does the public then trust that this government is going to do right by taking funds from, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, medical um, schemes and spending it the way it should be spent? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've often said that, first of all, the, the ANC has some of the best policies for South Africa, of all of the political parties. That is never contested in my, in my eyes. But the problem with the ANC is that they have these great policies and they implement them and then simply go away. There isn't monitoring and evaluation. So like we saw in Life Esitimeni, they had the policies, they executed their policies, and then people ended up dead because there was no follow-up to make sure that the patients that they moved from a private facility were actually taken care of in the ways that they were supposed to be taken care of. I could say the same about healthcare, I could say the same about uh, labor laws, and I could say the same about every single sector of South Africa, that where the ANC fails us is not in the policy making. They're great at that. On paper, they're the best party, but they are not good at monitoring and evaluation and because of this people do not trust that because it is on paper that it will be implemented and implementable because if you look at you know even when it comes to the issues of transformation that were mentioned that there are all these laws that have been put in place how much of these things are being implemented you look at the just from an education perspective we've got the languages bill which has been in place for many many years but many schools ignore it and continue to force Afrikaans down people's throats and the ANC sits and does very little it's only recently that the yeah, but that's not the ANC but the, the, that's the school I'm, governing I'm policy I'm, yes but the, and, but, and but the, this the speaks bodies. But, but this speaks to this speaks exactly to what I'm saying about monitoring but you and evaluation. See, this is where I'm not gonna. Uh, this is where I'm not gonna give parents a free pass because they have the power to determine language, a school mm. language policy. So it's been empowered to do that. There, there are many things that we can blame the ANC for. <laughs> the, the, that one I don't think is one. Asa. No, but le let me finish. The, the the issue here is that we know that we come from a specific past and we come from a past where SGPs have been used by dominant powers to continue the system 
of apartheid, of segregation, of lack of diversity, etc., etc. And these SPBs are continuing the work of apartheid. And the ANC, the, the government of the day, knows this and hasn't done their job of monitoring and evaluating and bringing in the changes. As I said, it's only now that the Department of Education is Doesn't talking that about highlight these the problem of us as an electorate in being active citizens. Of course, of because course. even when we are empowered, we are still looking at someone else for you know uh, to make decisions for us instead of exercising our agency. Of course, of course, I agree that you know people do have a role to play, and many parents have been active in pushing for this change. That's why the department has finally now, as I've said, they are now introducing and and doing a lot more monitoring and evaluation of the implementation okay. of the policy and that's where the, the issue is not that the, the the law exists or doesn't but will it be monitored and when it when it is, does fail what is going to be put in place to make sure that changes that are needed are going to be in place it's all good and well to say it's like saying oh, south africa is free for all yes of course it's free for all but you need to have money to be able to do certain things you need you know certain things fair, in place in order point. to access those rights fair point we, we, we we're out of time. Very quickly, Mathengi, very briefly, but also I want you to factor into your answer. What do you think has been the biggest failure of the sixth administration? I will do so, and I'll try to be as quick as I can. Um, Asanda is not is, uh, being uh, is a bit disingenuous in this conversation. You see, the role of school governing bodies and school governance, there's a framework, legislative framework proper. That responsibility is a social contract between the existing government, regardless of whether it's the ANC or not, and the people, particularly the parents. If I were to check in this studio, how many of us form part of school governing bodies or participate in some level in terms of uh, pushing participatory democracy? I bet you, if we were to just go and verify that. So the, the basic level of m &E, must be in our communities. The idea that government must do all of that is, is a challenge, but I hear what you're saying. Having said that, if I were to be asked about, for me, as a member of society, if we were to push the needle and what the president should speak to is about the fact that a woman in South Africa cannot walk freely because of crime, because of sexual assaults, children are being violated so the state of crime and lawlessness needs to receive attention and acceleration of some of the things that are being done and I'm not suggesting that we have not done the work but I think that we all know the evidence lies in the fact that members of society still feel vulnerable well we didn't even get your voice notes I apologize profusely we'll try to do better tomorrow that's all our time for this afternoon Mr. Hanif Hendricks of uh, Al Jama'a and also Mathengi Bengu Mutiri from the ANC, Asana Ngwasheng. Thank you so much to the team here in Cape Town, the team back in Joburg. Appreciate it. And of course, we'll do this again tomorrow. I apologize for not having time for your responses this afternoon. It's been a busy one. But of course, don't go anywhere. We've still got the State of the Nation address coming up, and uh, SABC News will keep you up to speed. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.